Well, we're sitting here because uh, it was easier to sit than to stand for me, but actually this has turned out to be more like what we're actually talking about. We're talking about community this morning and the joy and um, the value of community. And we kind of thought, actually, this is pretty cool because we're just sitting in community with you here today on these chairs. So think of it as we're having a chat with you as part of community. So on that note, we'll get right into it, talking about community and um, and about ultimately also connecting into the community at Pine Rivers Vineyard. So let's go right back to the beginning. In the beginning, it was perfect. The earth was created by God and it was perfect. Nothing was damaged or decaying. And then God created a human being named Adam and he was perfect. He, um, he and God had, re- had a wonderful relationship together. They enjoyed each other's company and it was perfect. But actually God wasn't entirely satisfied because he actually said at one point, he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So in God's eyes, he wasn't entirely satisfied because he felt like Adam needed a companion, an earthly companion. And so he created Eve. And Eve was perfect. And <laughs> um, and so Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden, enjoying the company of God and enjoying each other's company. That was God's original design. It was to be connected with him in that easy, enjoyable relationship, as well as to be connected with each other. So for Adam and Eve to be connected to each other. But then, as we know, one day, a presence that was anti-God entered this world of perfect relationships. Satan entered the garden in the form of a snake and through enticing Adam and Eve into doing what they really shouldn't and into going against God's plans for them, Satan destroyed God's original design and brought damage and decay into the picture. So Adam and Eve did something that God told them not to do, and that sin caused two things. It caused a broken relationship between them and God, um, and we read that they started to hide from God afterwards. And it also caused a broken relationship between Adam and Eve. So right um, from that moment, they discovered the blame game, and they started to accuse each other of things. And forever after that, their relationship was governed by a power struggle, with Adam becoming ruler over Eve. But you know what? God is good, and so he didn't abandon his creation just because it all went pear-shaped. He actually had a plan of restoration. And the beginning of that was to set in motion reconciliation, first between us and him, and then between us and each other. And so for the people that were by that stage then multiplied and and populated the earth, he created 
um, a law. Now, do you remember, Trent, you've been doing your Bible readings. I what have. was that law? That law, we're talking about the law of Moses, right? That is so right. So there, there were ten of them, not just one. Well, there were a lot of them. <laughs> there were many. There were many. All right, we're yeah, going to focus on ten We remember of them. the ten commandments. We'll do ten. Yeah. Okay. Right. So everyone in our kinship is waiting for Karen and I to start disagreeing about this stuff. <laughs> um, all right, so we've got ten laws. Uh, the All right. Um, okay, so the ten laws that we're talking about. So God, God puts um, ten laws in place for people. And if you read those ten laws, everything about those laws is God saying to people, this is what it looks like for you to be in right relationship with him and in right relationship with each other. So even though there was still that disconnection and that sin was in the middle of all of it, God gave us laws to give us a picture of what community should look like. So that's, that's the law of Moses. Yep. So that was great. But unfortunately, us humans didn't have it in us to stick to the laws. So much later down the line, as part of God's plan, he sent Jesus. And Jesus lived out that law perfectly, showing us, again, that original design of what it means to live in good relationship with God and with others. And um, ultimately... He made that perfect sacrifice so that we could meet with God again. We could be reconnected with God through the grace and mercy of, of Jesus. And through that death and resurrection of Jesus that we were just talking about in community, he made a way that we could be reconciled into that original relationship with God rather than trying to make ourselves acceptable to be in that relationship with God. But... What about our relationship with one another? What did Jesus do about that? Think about it. Well, the first thing is, as he was preparing his disciples for his death and the fact that he was going to go away, he actually said to them, I am going to prepare a place for you. And as he was talking about what was going to happen when he left, he said, I'm going to leave you with this one commandment. Love each other. This is from John chapter 13. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And then events proceeded and we know that he went and he died on the cross. But there is that absolutely stunning moment on the cross. I, it gets me every time where he's, he's on the cross, he's hanging on the cross and he's, he's about to die, he's beaten, tortured, dying and he looks down at his disciples who are obviously weeping at the cross and he says, dear woman, here is your son. And that was not to a disciple that was actually the son of that woman. And he said to the other disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, it says, John in John 19, that disciple took that mother into his home. Jesus was telling us, his disciples, to value each other as family, that we become family. As he was reconnecting us to God, he was telling us to reconnect to each other. And he did everything that we need to be in right relationship with God. But interestingly enough, he left the job of getting into right relationship with each other 
to us. So why do you think Jesus would have wanted to, us to do the work of getting along with each other? Because let's face it, sometimes it's hard work getting along with each other, isn't it? And why would we want to actually reconcile to each other? Do you have any ideas of it, Trent? I have many ideas. Uh, one of the things that I'm thinking about is that really that's how we were created. That's how we're wired. Um, you know, when Jesus was on the earth, he said that he came that we would have life and have it to the full. And he worked in a ministry of reconciliation with each other. So kind of what you can read from that is that we're, if we're going to have life to the full, we're only really fully alive when we're in community with each other and with him. But the community with each other part is important. We're only fully alive when we're in community with each other. Mm, yeah. And Kirk's actually been talking about that quite a bit lately. You may have picked up, he's been talking about this book um, written by Joseph Hellerman called When the Church Was Family. And there's some principles that he's picked out of that and he's taught on quite a bit, which is um, some of the values about being family is there were four of them. One is we share our stuff. The second one is we share our hearts. The third one is that we grow together, embracing the pain and um, staying together. And the fourth one is that family is more about just the wife and kids, but it's actually family impacts those beyond the family too. Um, so Jesus did tell us to love one another, um, but we don't really want to be doing that just because we're told to. Do we? No. See, if, if we just, if we love each other because scripture tells us to, what we're actually doing is we're, we're not allowing ourselves to move past the law of Moses. See, the, God put the law in place to say, this is how you need to love each other. Now go and do it. And, um, and people tried and they failed. And if we try to live as a community loving each other because Jesus said we need to love each other, then we have missed the point. And, and the point that we've missed is the why. If we don't understand why Jesus said that or why Jesus wants us to be in community, then we're right back to following something without understanding. And that's called religion. Even trying to obey a command to love each other without understanding the heart of Jesus, that's religion. So, um, and, and we really want you guys to understand that when we speak about community and, and why we're valuing community as, as much, um, it's, it's the why, why Jesus wants us to be in community. That's what's important. So we're going to share with you some of the reasons that we think that Jesus gave us and why he put so much emphasis on being family. So the first is, and we'll recap these later, but the first is, if you're not in community, you miss the opportunity to care for others and to be cared for yourself. So that first reason, we share our stuff. It's really practical. Um, it means that when others are in need, we help them out. But that wasn't all that Jesus had in mind. He also knew that, that we ourselves would be in need sometimes. And then others would share their stuff with us. So it looks like things like, you know, and you've probably seen it in your small communities, someone lend someone a car when they need it, or someone has meals made for them when they're sick, or it looks like giving lifts to the doctor for people who can't get there themselves, doing handyman jobs for someone for free. It's all those really practical things. And if we isolate ourselves from community, 
then we're actually isolating ourselves from the very help that Jesus wanted us to receive from each other and, and to draw from. So Jesus puts us in community because he knows that we'll need help. And I'm just wondering, I think there's many people in this church who have been recipients of care in that way. I'm just wondering, you want yeah, hmm? to... Uh, I have. I don't need to give an example, do I? Well, well who want, can I have a show of hands quickly? Who have been in a community where you've received help from a community? I mean, I think there's... That is awesome. There, there is awesome, a lot of us. And just a quick thought, side step, to move away from this. While we were um, preparing this, um, <clears throat> just talking about to care and, and to be cared for in the context of a community, something that jumps out at me, which may seem incredibly obvious to you, but it was quite a new thing for me. Jesus told us to love each other, right? Um, and we see that as a command to ourselves to love each other. But Jesus kind of twisted that around to me uh, while I was looking at this stuff. And he said, do you realize that by telling the church to do that, I've commanded other people to love you? And um, And this is part of uh, what we're talking about when we're talking about being in a community to care and to be cared for. Like the, the, the command to love each other is not just for us to go out and do it, but for us to be in a community where other people have been, you know, Jesus said to you guys, you need to love me and you need to love Karen and you need to love, Carol loves that, doesn't you need to love Carol. And, um, and so you guys can go in a community with the understanding that God has put a command in place for other people to love you, and you need to be in a community to receive that love and care. Yeah. Right, so the first thing is that we're in community to care for others and to be cared for. Second thing is, if you're not in a community, you miss on, out on the opportunity to be real with people. So to be the family that God wants us to be, Jesus tells us that we need to share our hearts. And that means really share. That means warts and all. Because until we actually learn to share our hearts, we'll never actually be able to accept love. Okay, And we'll explain that in a moment. But I'll just... This verse really struck me this week. It was Colossians 3 verse 12 to 16. I was talking about the wonderful gift that we have of Jesus and how it's just amazing that he makes us holy and he lives within us and he loves us and he holds all things together. And then it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you could sit on that for a while, he chose us to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect um, harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now just think about that. 
those things that God tells us to clothe ourselves with. Have you ever experienced the unexpected kindness when someone has blessed you? You know that you would not be able to experience that in isolation. And and what about have you ever experienced someone being gentle towards you? You know, when you know that they could have overwhelmed you with all that they knew or all that they could have said to you, but they they chose to just withhold and just be gentle and meet with you just where you were at. That kind of thing, that can't be done in isolation, that can't be received in isolation. What about um, any time that you might have admitted that you were wrong about something and then received the forgiveness of that person? And that is a healing balm to receive that. Again, something that can't be done just on our own. Or even, even times when we might have admitted to struggling with things and then by sharing it with those who we are, love and trust, realize that actually we're not the only one with those struggles and to feel like you're actually not alone in that. These are things that God tells us to clothe us ourselves in. They cannot be done in isolation. So when Jesus gave that command to love each other, they were, as Trent said, they were, it was commanding us to love each other because he wanted people to love us as well. He wants you to feel loved. Now, the enemy fights all of this potential love by getting us to value individualism and isolation. So if what, what he's actually managed uh, to do if, he, if we do value that isolation is that it, it cuts us off. Isolation cuts us off from the very things that Jesus is commanding his people to do, to, to love. And then he, sometimes he, on top of all of that, he makes it seem like it's our own good idea to be all, you know, winner on ourselves. Winner, you know, we win by ourselves. But we do need that community because it's where we love others and others love us. And in doing that, we actually get to know the love of the Father. But here's the thing, is that we actually all have masks on, don't we? And so there is this thing that can happen where we say, oh, well, no one's allowed to see the real me. I'll put on this mask that I think people want to see, and so then they'll like me because of that. But the problem with that is that even then, if people like you with your mask on, you can never really accept that because you know that they're not really seeing the real you. And so we tend to then continue living life with that mask on, believing that no one really loves us. But then sometimes we do need to take that risk. And actually there was a moment in our kinship life a little while ago when we reached a level of trust in our group that actually at one point people just started sharing the deepest things of their lives And all sorts of struggles and difficulties came out. You know, spiritual difficulties, physical difficulties, emotional difficulties. And um, it was just kind of everything came out. And what do you think happened? Um, I do remember it being crazy. It was in the space of about a week. And literally everybody just, their deepest, darkest secrets just came out. What was so incredible is that if, if we... 
if we live by that idea that people only like us because of the masks that we put on, then we, w- we would have expected everyone to um, shift away from each other. What actually happened was that we became the closest community. All of a sudden, um, we became like a close family. Um, and everything that we did, we did together. Every time we came to church, we sat together. After church, people would just pitch up at our house and we would hang out together. And everyone was just real and it was incredible. So community is about having that opportunity to be real with each other. So now I'm going to test you, Trent. What is the first thing that community is about? We share our stuff. (laughs) Yes, that'll do. Um, And the second one. And the second one. um, You guys just think about that for a second and I'm going to have a look at our... Oh, oh, are we talking about the notes? Right, okay. Community is about caring... (laughs) Caring and being cared for. Yeah, that's it. And All right, it's cool. Yeah, that's the sec- and the second one is being real with each other. Okay. Okay, and the, <laughs> the last one we're going to talk about is if you're not in a community, you miss out on the opportunity to grow. Um, so Hellerman, uh, Joseph Hellerman talks about that thing of, of staying together, so embracing the pain together and knowing that, you know, when we are – when we are real with each other, or it's, un- it's only un- when we can be real with each other that we can feel like we really belong. And for some, for some of us, that could be the first time we actually ever experience family the way that God intended it. But learning to do life well together rather than in isolation teaches us more about God and ourselves as well. It's actually a learning journey. So in any family, you'll find that there's the older ones and there's the younger ones. And just in that same way, when we're in community, there will be people who we can learn from just by watching how they do things. And that could be in a really practical way. It could just be watching how, you know, as as you stay in a group and as you learn, as you live life together, do life together, you hear stories along the way of how someone handled that annoying person at work, you know, or how someone dealt with, you know, their really difficult kid who's going through a rebellious life stage, or how how it is that we honour God in our marriages. We just watch and we learn from those who go, who've done it ahead of us or have maybe had some experience in it. We learn of how, how those things work. But it might also be in really spiritual, spiritually practical ways of doing things. So spiritual disciplines, like how, how do you pray? How do you pray on your own? How do you pray in a group? How do you read the Bible for all it's worth? How do you follow the Spirit when you're leading worship? All these things, when we're in community, we get to watch and learn and we grow in life's journey with each other, not by specifically putting those things on, but just because that's what doing life together means. And as we become more real with each other, we actually allow ourselves to be held accountable to people. And that's a wonderful way to grow in our relationship with God and with others. Because when we have learned to be real with each other, and to be with people who love, who love us and who we can trust, we then start to invite them to give feedback on our lives and give feedback on our decisions. And they pray for us in the decisions that we make through life's journey. And so we grow together. We grow together. But what is 
what growing also means is embracing the joys and also embracing pain together. So doing life in community, I don't think it's any surprise to any of us, means that we will have the inevitable unhappy experiences. Okay, We will have conflict at some point. We will have confrontations at some point when we are living in community. That's just inevitable. But when we navigate conflict in the safety of a loving group and we give Jesus permission to teach us, we actually start to learn how to navigate those unhappy times well with Jesus, pointing to God in every situation. And that is reconciliation. That is God bringing us together. That is how conflicts lead to reconciliation and not destruction as they can so easily do. There also might be things like grief and loss in a group. And we learn what it's like to walk beside one another and carry one another's burdens. There might also be pain, that people are literally going through pain of either physical injury or illness or, or even spiritual stuff but, or, or relationship stuff. There's pain. There's pain that humans bring to groups. And when we're doing community together and we are real with each other, we learn about what it feels like to be helped, what it, how it looks to bring healing into painful situations, what it means to point each other to God as the source of our life and to help each other through each step of the way with the left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, let's just do this together kind of thing. So all of these things that we share help us to grow and even help us to, sh- to find new ways of relating to God. So those are just three of the things that being in community really just is why it's such a thing to value. And there are other things. The list could go on and on. But I'm going to test you again. What are the three things? (laughs) Uh, We need to be in community because we need to uh, care and be cared for. We need help. Um, It is we live in community because we miss out on the opportunity to grow if we're not in community. And we also miss out on the opportunity not to be real with each other. To be real with each other, yeah. That one, yes. That would be good. (laughs) Thank you very much. Love you, John. So to summarize that, Jesus wants us to be in community because he knows that we need each other. We need community. It's pure and simple, and and um, that's why Jesus told us to love each other. And that is a truth that is burning in Trenton, my hearts at the moment, um, for our church and for you as individuals. And it's what's on. And so we want to share what's on our heart now for um, for Pine Rivers Vineyard and what community could look like today. Thanks. So. I just want to reiterate what Karen said there. When we talk about community and we share our heart for community, we really want you to hear our heart that um, we believe that you can't live life to the full without being in some kind of a community. It's what Jesus wanted. It's, um, it's what we need. And uh, so when we say we need to promote and value community, it's not just something that we're saying. It's something that we really believe that all of us need. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to paint a picture for all of us so that we can get a bit of an overview as to what community actually looks like at Pine Rivers Vineyard. Because I think all of us have got a bit of an understanding, 
not everyone has a big picture of what's really going on. So, kinships, I'll start off there. I have a bit of a bias towards kinships, right? Uh, you guys will know that. Almost everything that I've learned in discipleship, I've learned in the context of a kinship. Some of the best friends that I've ever made and still have today, I met in the context of a small group or a kinship. You guys, uh, how many of you guys were part of the Vineyard 30 Days of Thankfulness, by the way, which is sort of the 30 days is now over? My favorite one, right? I'm going to read it. Um, I'll make it anonymous, so I won't mention Tim's name. But what he said was, <laughs> I haven't said it yet, but I'm very thankful for my kinship fam bam. We're a mishmash of all kinds, but isn't that what makes a family? And then it's got a smiley face. I know that small groups are God's design to cause a greater connection within the church, and I feel like it's essential. And I read that, and I think, yes, Tim gets it. He does. Um, and because I know he's experienced it. So my, I, I'm, I have a bias towards kinships. I believe that they're absolutely essential. Um, they're our first line of partial care. And that means the reality is, if you're not in a kinship, you're, you aren't going to get the level of partial care that you would if you're part of a kinship group in this church. That's the reality of it. They're also our primary tools for discipleship. Like Karen said, we grow together. If you're, again, the reality is, if you're not in a kinship, you're missing out on the opportunity to learn and grow with a group of people where we learn to do stuff like living life like Jesus, how to pray for the sick, how to pray for each other, how to pray for the lost, how to be a Christian in the workplace. Um, these are discipleship tools, and if you're not in a kinship, you're not going to get as much of a discipleship experience as what you would if you were in a kinship. More than anything else, though, their kinships are our best tool for creating real connections with each other. You can't, this, this is, this is train speaking here. I don't believe that you can do New Testament type community just on a Sunday morning. This is community, and we're a family, right? But there's a lot of us. And a lot of what we do on a Sunday morning is you guys sitting on a chair looking at something that's going on. That real connection, I believe you need to be in the context of some kind of a small group to really be able to get what it means to connect in a New Testament way. So here's an overview of the kinships that we have. First one I'll talk about is the Paisley Drive kinship. I don't know if there's a... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it might come up there, it might not. We'll see how, how good Bo, has, Bo is with PowerPoint. Fantastic. So the first one that we've got is the Paisley Drive Kinship. So these guys are essentially for anybody who wants to join a church family and journey with Jesus. So they're an interesting bunch. Uh, Dave and Wendy are crazy people. They lead a crazy kinship. Uh, they have a lot of fun. They connect with God. They connect with each other. They meet here on a Wednesday night, and anyone who wants to join a family and journey with Jesus is welcome. Um, another kinship we've got, uh, Neil's not here, but he and Ash, they lead a group called Bloke, and uh, they meet on the last Saturday of every month. And um, to be honest, God is calling Christian men out to be men. He's calling Christian men out to learn how to be godly men and to stand firm in the understanding of who we are as men of God, to understand of who God is calling men out. And, and guys, I want to encourage you, if, this is, if, if that remotely stirs you, you've got to connect with Neil and Ash because they're walking a group of men through the understanding of what it means to be a Christian bloke. There's some real chats that go on. There's good community. They get real with each other. Connect up with Neil and Ash. If you're a man and you want to learn or grow with other Christian men, go chat with those guys. 
Another one is the young adults group. So Scott and Belinda, um, they've got a heart for some young adults. And by young adults, I mean post-school to 25-ish. I don't know how ish the ish is, but 25-ish. Um, so if that's your group, uh, go and chat to, to Scott and Belinda. Now, this is an interesting group because it's relatively small at the moment, but the guys are on fire. And I believe that this is a group to watch because we're gearing up for the university that's being built down the road. Encounter is pressing into this group as much as what we can. And I believe that the heart of God is to grow this group. So if you guys want to, be, even if you're not in that group, can I just encourage you to be praying for Scott and Belinda as they pray for and, and gear up for this group of young adults that I believe God is going to be sending to our church. This is a, this is a group to watch. I believe it's exciting. Um, but if you're, tw- if you're post-school to 25-ish, you want to connect with Scott and Belinda and the group that they've got going. Next one, Kay's Women's Group. So Kay leads a, a group of women. They meet on a Tuesday morning. I don't know what time, but I want to encourage you to look for Kay. Where is it's at 9.30. So it's at 9.30 on a Tuesday morning. And I believe that there is another group as well that meets at a time that I don't know. Friday it's a Friday morning at 9 o'clock at Wheelhouse Coffee. Once a month. Once a month. Um, that's a Wednesday. So I tell you what, guys, there is a board at the back of the church. And we're going to direct you to that later on, okay? Um, where there are all of this information that we're talking about. It is now the board is moving around and Andrew's holding it up. Um, and I'm just waiting for it to fall apart, because don't forget, we made that. So that's, um, I'm scared. All right. So Kay, uh, Kay has a heart for, for, for women becoming real women of God. And this is open to all women of all ages. And again, I want to encourage you, if you're a woman and this is stirring your heart, and you want to journey with other women of God, please connect with Kay. Um, their group is fantastic. And then we've got the Kingdom Life Kinship, which is Karen and my group. So we meet on alternating Wednesdays and Saturdays. And the idea behind our group is that it's all about um, being a family and as a family, equipping ourselves and each other to do the things that Jesus did. So um, if you join our group, and you're more than welcome, it's, it's open to anybody, um, as long as you're brave. Because if you join our group, you may well find yourself at a psychic fair giving spiritual readings to people like we did last week. And we do other crazy things as well. Um, but we learn how to do live life like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did. So that's some of the kinships that we've got. And I, my first thing is I want to encourage you guys to look at joining one of those kinships because they're fantastic. But you need to understand that community at Pine Rivers Vineyard is much bigger than just kinships. We've got a lot of other stuff going on. So we've got these things called social groups. There we go. Well done. Um, so the thing we love about social groups, right, is that these are, they kind of just started on their own. Um, no one sort of kick-started them, but we just realized that these things were happening. So we're going to start encouraging these things. They're high fun, low commitment opportunities where it's essentially a group of people who enjoy do so- doing something, start doing it together and inviting other people to come along. So the the first group that I will mention is the one that put Karen in hospital yesterday. What group is that? The Vineyard Running Group. Okay, so maybe that's I'm not the best it. not the best plug for it. Um, <laughs> but there's the Vineyard Running Group. So we meet on a Saturday morning every Saturday to do the the Warner Lakes Park Run, and um, there's a few midweek runs that happen. Um, if you this is kind of all skill levels. You don't have to be a runner for this. Um, the you first can walk time it. I. 
You can walk the you park You can run. walk it. You can. And the first time I did it, I tried to keep up with Scott, and he said I was, what, an asthmatic rhinoceros. <laughs> but it's all skill levels. If you want to walk, that's fine. If you want to run, that's fine. And, um, and there's midweek runs that happen over at Bullockies as well. So if you want to know when, when the group meets, uh, speak to myself or, or Scott or, or Karen. We'll connect you up with the Facebook group, and that's where we put the announcements. The second one is the Vineyard Motorbike Club. So if you've got a motorbike and you've got enough points left on your license, I want to encourage... Um, Where's John Woodrow? John the Woodrow, where are you? There we go. He's sitting over there. So John the Woodrow is the guy to chat to you about joining the Bikers Club. So it's, it's not regular rides. It's in, they, they meet whenever they meet. Sometimes it's on a Sunday morning before church. Sometimes it'll be a Saturday morning breakfast run up to Mount Me or Mount Glorious or wherever they go. Um, but if, if you've got a motorbike and you want to join a group of bikers, go chat to John the Woodrow and he'll connect you up with the Facebook group. Third one, Karen. What is Vineyard the third one? Cycling Club. We've kind of got two cycling clubs actually that are sort of blended into one. So we've got the, uh, we ride on the road wearing lycra, what it, mammals they call it? <laughs> Middle aged men in lycra. <laughs> um, but there's a bunch of us that go out. And again, this is all skill level. Sometimes we go for long rides. Sometimes it's sort of a slow casual ride around Woody Point. And um, we, 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 we kind of cater for all skill levels. So that's the road cycling group of it. And uh, the road cycles are also scheduled as and when. So you've got to be part of the Facebook group to know when they're happening. The other part of the cycling group, and that's, this has kind of kicked off more recently, is the, the Jinka Track single track mountain bikers. So if you think you're brave enough to keep up with Ethan Wright, <laughs> and trust me, you're not. Um, He's, what, 11 years old? So, uh, eight. Okay, a 10. Uh, Sorry, he's 10. All right, so 10 we took, years old, if you can keep up with him. Uh, Sean and I took him out for a ride and then dropped him off with his mum covered in blood all over various <laughs> places. But he had the best time. Um, and again, so this is mountain biking. If you've never done it before, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll teach you. This is not about going out and doing crazy things. It's about a group of people together doing something that we enjoy. If you want to be part of this, uh, come and chat to me and I'll get you hooked up in the group. I'll let you know when the rides are. And if you've never mountain biked before, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll train you. We're, um, we just want you to, we, we just want you to get involved. Okay. Business brekkie. So business owners, uh, have a very unique set of, of challenges in life. And we're very aware of that. So basically sort of once a month or so, we meet on a Friday morning over at coffee club to cry together and uh, pray for each other and we get some great wisdom from experienced businessmen like Dave Delaney. So if you're a business owner or a sole trader or, or something along those lines, come and chat to me and um, I'll get you hooked up with the Facebook group um, for the business breakfast. And the final one that I'll mention is we've got a Muso, Muso Jams and Instruments. So this is a Facebook group that, I've, um, that, that we've started. So if you love talking about the latest pedals or vintage strats or why transistors are not as good as valve amps or they're not, but the um, if, if you love jamming, again, skill level doesn't matter. Just come along and let us know. And we set up every now and again just jams. We set up our stuff and uh, we, we, we play each other's instruments and we have a bit of a jam together. So if you're a muso, come and chat to me. I'll get you hooked up with the group. The idea is we just have a bit of fun together. So I'm running out of time. So the social groups that we have, 
Um, these things started organically. And here's the thing. You too can start a social group. We have a two-step program. All right? Think of something you enjoy doing and then invite someone to do it with you. That's our two-step program to starting social groups. You guys on board with that? You can do that. I have every faith in you. All right, fantastic. They're also great tools for evangelism. It's a lot easier to invite a work colleague to come cycling with your church cycling group than it is to invite them to church. And uh, they're, then they're in the middle of a group of, of, of Christians. And um, look, it's, it's a great evangelistic tool. I think we've actually had some people who joined the running group. They met us at Park Run and then have co- ended up coming to our church as well. So it's Very just true. a way. It's just an easy, uh, an easy way in. Okay, so we're starting another group of, of, of groups at, um, at the church, and these are, we're kind of calling them special interest groups, um, and these are kind of short-term groups that we're starting that have a specific purpose in mind. So it's on Karen and my heart to launch an alpha group, because there's people in this church who have questions, there's people who have friends who have questions. And uh, so we want to start an alpha group where new, new Christians or pre-Christians can just get together, ask a bunch of difficult questions, and journey together. We want to, we want to have a marriage course where if you're newly married or if you've been married for ages, we can just sit, there, there's courses that we can work through so we can have good, solid Christian marriages in the church. We want to run Bible courses. There's a lot of them. The, the possibilities are endless. And um, we'll get to this in a second, but if this is something that's stirring you, we want to know about it. So now it's over to you guys. I think I need to get Karen involved in some of this. So we're looking for the following people. Karen, who are we looking for? We're looking for new social groups. So we want to support you. If you have an interest and you want to invite people along, we want to cheer you on in doing that, and, um, and we want to know what it is that you're doing. We're looking for new kinship groups, new kinship leaders. So if the idea of a mishmash of people, getting in a room together, journeying together, being a family, and just being a community. If that's something that gets your heart stirring, please come and chat to us. If you've never done it before, it doesn't matter. We will train you. Karen and I have been working on a handbook, which has got a whole bunch of answers to the typical types of questions you'll ask if you're starting up in a kinship. So you'll have support. Karen and I will be praying for you. There will be someone um, set aside to walk the journey with you, to answer questions when you have it, to help you. Um, if you want to lead a kinship, please come and chat to us. We want to know about you. All right, and then we're also looking for hosts. So there's those of you who are gifted at hospitality. There is a gift in that. Or you just love having people over at your home. Or you've got a new home and you just want people to come and fill it. For those of you who would love to have a group of people at your house, but you don't particularly want to have to lead the group and decide what the group does, um, we would love to know that because you can actually be a host for a kinship and we can we can partner you up with some kinship leaders who can actually then just um, work together with you in your house to run a kinship group. We're looking for special interest group leaders. If you have a heart and you want to run Alpha, we want to know about it. If you've got a heart for seeing godly marriages stay the course, we want to know about it. If you've got a heart to run a Bible course or any other type of course, we want to know about it because because we want to support you and help you to do the things that you want to do and connect you with other people who would want to join your course. And then finally, for those who are want hearing about all of this community stuff and saying, hey, I'm not involved and I really want to be, 
Um, if you would like to join a kinship group or a social group, we'd love to know about that too. So, um, so there's actually going to be a way that you can do that and indicate any interests that you have. Do you want to lead us more than that? one way? Okay. All right, I'll do it. So, guys, in your bulletin, you will see a little handout that you can fill out. We're going to throw some pens at you very soon, gently. Um, and the idea is, if you've got any, um, if any of the things that we've spoken about has stirred your heart, we want to know about it. If you've got any questions, you can put it there. If you want to join a kinship, we can help connect you to one. If you want to lead one, we can help walk you through that journey. So that's one of the ways of doing it. We've also gone full millennial on you, all right? So if you are inclined this way, you can open up your phone and you can open up your browser and go to www.pineriversvineyard.church. And the same form is online. You can actually just fill it out in your phone. You can take the tick boxes that you want and you can submit that and that will also come to, uh, come to the church. So if you want to go for millennial, we can do that. If you want to fill up your forms, you can do that as well. At the back of the, um, at the back of the church next to the, uh, coffee shop, there's a small bowl. That's labeled, um, okay, well, it's moving now. Um, Andrew's got it. It's a small white bowl where you can put in your filled, completed, uh, completed, completed questionnaires. So please do that. So we're going to give you uh, a, a bit of a break. Five minutes? So we're going to give you five minutes to do that. So um, if you either want to fill out the online version or if you want to fill out the, pens, the pen and paper version, either way is great. Um, can we get some volunteers to hand pens around. If you've got a pen, fantastic. If not, um, all right, Luke looks like he's coming forward to help us. Winnie's coming to help us as well. All right, thanks very much. Can you guys just grab a handful and, and, and if you need a pen, please put your hand up and one of our lovely volunteers will bring a pen to you. Thanks guys, you're legends. Appreciate it. So we're going to give you five minutes to do that. Once once you've done that, uh, we've asked the kinship leaders to hang around for a little bit. So, um, and there is also the, uh, the lunch, the community lunch. So fill out the form for five minutes. And then after that, we're going to run through some of the, the, the words of knowledge to, to open up opportunities to pray for each other. And, um, and then there are cards at the back with all of the information that you may want about the groups, the special interest groups, the kinships. Please take a little card with you. Um, and speak to some of the kinship leaders who are hanging around. They would love to hear from you as well. Thanks, mate. Do you have anything else? All right, fantastic. So Alice is going to play some beautiful music, um, and we'll give you guys a, a minute or two just to fill out that form, and then um, we'll speak about some words of knowledge and then have a community lunch together. <laughs> 